Hey, I'm Alex. Now, Miles. We like football. And here are our six picks. All right. So first of all, I just want to mention that Alex and I were not the most accurate in our uh, our predictions for Wild Card Weekend. Uh, we were both one for three. And coincidentally, I think I actually would have been pretty good for the NFC because I disagreed with most of his takes. But you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way it goes sometimes. And hopefully, we'll be more accurate this week. But. We're going to start it off with our first topic, and it's kind of like our, our traditional topic that we usually always like to start off with. It's like our reoccurring yeah. topic. We just like to do three takeaways from the last week. Um, and I'll get, I think I'm going to get us, get us started. Uh, so my first takeaway is that the Patriots really need to get more weapons on their offense. So the Patriots' offense, just I really feel like they didn't have enough firepower to compete with the Bills, especially if, when that ga- if, if the game turned into a shootout. I really felt like even in the first quarter, when the Patriots were down 14-0, just after um, the Bills' first two possessions, they both scored touchdowns. And then on the Patriots' first possession, there was an interception. And on the second possession, they had to punt. So after that, after the Bills had scored their second touchdown, the game honestly felt like it was already out of reach for the Patriots because yeah. they just don't have the offensive capability to just come back like that. They're a team that needs to have the lead and play with the lead. So... I basically just thought that it'd be really good for Mac Jones' development for the Patriots to get a strong wide receiver. And I honestly think they can match what the Bills have done with Siphon Diggs. So if you're not familiar with this, um, basically what the Bills did for Josh Allen is they traded uh, the twenty the 22nd overall pick to Minnesota for Stephon Diggs, which ended up working out for Minnesota as they got Justin Jefferson, who is arguably better than Stephon Diggs this season. We'll, we'll see how you view that, but they're so. both they're both so. they're both really good players. They're both really good players, right? So it worked out. But I think if Bill Belichick again has laid all his cards out on the table and pretty much has gone all in on this team with free agency and everything, um, either he either either he's going to have to draft a good wide receiver, which historically he's not very good at, or he's going to you know need a trade for a good wide receiver. And I, I just brainstormed some possible targets. Uh, I, I I said that. A bargain on Steelers wide receivers may not be a bad way to go. Deontay Johnson, perhaps, but yeah. I don't. Juju's I don't. A free agent Juju year. is a free yeah. agent. Um, I said Brandon Cooks for a late round pick. He was a former Patriot. He's although he's aging, he played fairly good with the uh, with a rookie quarterback and Tyrod Taylor on the the Texans this year. I said Darnell Mooney might be an interesting option as well as Allen Robinson. Well. The Bears may not be as interested in trading them because they want to help out Justin Fields. It's not a bad option. I said DJ Chark might be an interesting option to take away from the Jaguars. Terry McLaurin, who is probably less likely to get traded because he's really, really a big part of that offense for uh, Washington. But Mike Williams might be an interesting option you might want to look at for uh, a big-bodied wide receiver that you could trade for. Anyway, I, I just think that the Patriots really need some offensive firepower next year. Yeah, I really, I really like that take, especially, uh, you know, it's not like that wasn't the plan. Nikhil Harry's drafted in the first round above guys like AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. So that was, you know, the vision all along to get another, you know, good receiver like that. Just didn't pan out. And I think the Patriots are gonna try again. I really like that take. Um I actually got the same game for my first pick. The Bills defense is up there. I would say they're top two in the playoffs right now. I believe they have the first ranked uh they have the first ranked um passing defense and the 13th ranked uh rushing defense so 
they're, they're looking pretty good. Obviously, that Patriots game, if that doesn't convince you that the Bills' defense is legit, and, you know, that's going to strike fear into Kansas City. And I think uh, we may talk about that game later because it is that's a crazy divisional uh, divisional matchup. But, yeah, they're legit, and they're one of the biggest worries, you know, in the NFL right now. If I'm thinking about the Bills, I'm thinking about – like I'm thinking about the defense and the offense equally. Like the defense has really matched the offense. You know the offense, and and you know let's not ignore that the uh, Josh Allen uh, didn't punt or didn't get a field goal, and he led one of the best cold weather games ever. Uh, he went up. Uh, you know, parents weren't letting their kids go to that game. That's how cold it was. Josh Allen was throwing five touchdowns, zero interceptions, three hundred yards, didn't kick a single field goal. You know. Th- and also, you know, the, that wasn't even that wasn't even like the only impressive thing about this game. This defense matched the offense's energy. They're legit. They have a great secondary, and they didn't even have a Pro Bowler this year. It's just the most well-rounded defense I think I ever said. There's not a lot of there's not really a superstar in the defense, but they don't have a weak point on it either, and it's just consistent. It's the most consistent defense I've seen, and they are a big threat. I'd be worried if I were the Chiefs. Uh in fact, earlier in the season, I, I just really agree with this pick because earlier in the season, uh, one of my takeaways, in fact, was that the Bills' pass rush specifically and the Bills' defensive line was really strong. Yeah, I remember they that. Good rotation there. Um, but really what has stepped up is I really feel like, obviously we did know about this because they have been, they've had had pro bowlers on that secondary for a long time now, but guys like Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde, I mean, do you, if you if you just watch that if you watch that interception that Micah Hyde made on that on that play, man, was that a pick? That was like crazy. I thought that was a touchdown for sure, yeah. but that was a real play. And I don't know. I, I would I would definitely be play. I would definitely be scared if I if I were if I were as an offense going up against the Bills, unless you're the Chiefs. But that's something we'll get into later. Yeah. All right. My second takeaway is that the Eagles' defense is going to need some help next season. And obviously, as we talked about this, the Eagles have overachieved. So we didn't exactly expect them to go into Tampa Bay being super competitive. But obviously, we did expect them to be a little bit more competitive than, you know, not really scoring a point in the first half. Yeah, they put up a stinker that game. Yeah. yeah. But the Eagles, uh, I believe they have three first-round picks this year. So it'd be yeah, really, yeah. really big for them if they can possibly get get another player on their offense and then possibly spend the next two picks on defense maybe somebody on the for their linebacking core or a pass rusher somebody that's just going to give them more defensive help because they overachieved this season so they could really be competing for the NFC the NFC East title next season with the Cowboys if they give themselves some more defensive help i really think that they could be in a good position um again the eagles did overachieve but if they really want to be back in the playoffs consistently, I just think they need some more defensive help. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I watched the game. Um, it looks like they have a good defense going, but I think they have potential to make something special. I trust Sirianni to you know, get some receivers, get some best available players. And this draft is a, it's a lot of good defensive players. So I think he, you know, they may be able to grab up uh, you know, like a, that big guy from Georgia. I uh, was a uh, – What's his name again? Jordan. Ah, man. I can't remember off the top of my I think head. It's, is it Poyer? It's like, no, it's not Poyer. But he won the, he won the uh, award for best defensive player in the country. Yeah, he was super good this season. The only issues with him is he's going to need a little bit of physical development uh, yeah. to, get, to get more fit. But, you know, he can certainly do that. Eagles can 
certainly would help to make their defense a lot better. I actually like the approach more to just get, you know, maybe focus on one offensive threat, uh, two really solid defensive players. I think that's certainly something the Eagles need to do, and they could very well be dangerous in the next two years by doing that, given that they have a young core already. Okay. My second observation from last week is Odell Beckham Jr. is back. Uh, He had a great game where he matched Cooper Cup's performance. No real receiver really popped out against that game, but that was kind of a blow-away game where you really didn't need someone to step up crazy. But he did his job as a wide receiver, too, and did more than, in fact, that. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He also had a 40-yard pass that game, too. So he he had 54 yards, a touchdown. And overall, just a great performance as a wide receiver, too. Um, This receiving core for the Rams is legendary. You know, being paired next to a triple crown, you're probably not going to do that well statistically. But, hey, Odell's been getting it done. He's been a good Swiss Army knife. I like the way Sean McFay is using him. The Rams scheme is really a great fit to put him in as a complimentary receiver. And I think he's back. Uh, He's had some... He's had some great performances this season, too, so it's not like it's a a new thing. But he is, at minimum, a legit number two receiver, and I don't think we can take that away from him. This game showed why he got his first playoff win. He got Matt Stafford's first playoff win. So it's good to see him have a good career bounce back, and I think this is a good first year for him to restart his career, really. Yeah, and I just think back to the days in Cleveland when everybody was really questioning him, basically just saying, was his entire career in New York just that one catch? Was he really even that good? And as a Giants fan, watching him, man, that guy was exceptional. He's an exceptional route runner. He has great hands, and he competes. Obviously, in his younger days, he did do some, a lot of immature things, and it definitely did affect his play on the field. You know, we think back to the Josh Norman games and stuff like that. But <clears throat> when he went to Cleveland, we thought that everything would change with Baker Mayfield. And then they really didn't. They just didn't click, and everybody was really questioning Odell. I mean, everybody did eventually get on Baker as soon as he left because when they realized, wait, Odell's playing great in L.A. because they're utilizing his talent correctly, exactly like you said, Sean McVay is, that's when everybody realized it was really Baker and not really Odell. So I'm glad that Odell's really getting the respect that he deserved because I really feel like his exit from Cleveland as a city was just not good. And I really feel like him as a player, it wasn't exactly his fault that he was being wrongly utilized in a system where the quarterback just wasn't as good as Matt Stafford. Yeah. It's it's certainly good to see him in a better place. I believe he has six touchdowns over the last nine games with the Rams, and he had six touchdowns total in Cleveland. So this is good to see Odell bounce back. He had a pretty good game against the Cardinals, which is a real defense. Albeit, you know, they did get some injuries that game like Buda Baker, but you know, really proud of Odell. Really good to see him do well. Yeah. I'm just I'm just glad to see him progressing as a player, just just as a guy and just as a person too. Just just, just good to see him. Yeah. So my third takeaway, I know this is very ESPN of me, but I just want to talk about the Chiefs okay. just for a second. Just for a quick second, Alex. I know you're rolling your eyes just a little bit, but just hear me out. All, all the time, especially earlier this season, when Patrick Mahomes was throwing some stinkers, the Chiefs in general were just below 500 for the first time in forever. We've really never really seen them like just ever underperform. But the Chiefs, at times, especially in the first quarter, they might start a little bit stagnant, might start a little bit slow. If you think back to their Super Bowl, they honestly weren't very competitive in that game uh, until maybe like the second half of the third quarter. Yeah. I that mean, was the, that was yeah. the story of their playoffs, too. They had that uh, yeah. 0-28 deficit against the Texans yeah. right before, and you know you saw what happened. 
Mm -hmm. So the, the Chiefs in general are confusing, but I think you just have to have trust in Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and I think that defense now too. I think you can just trust them, and I really think that they may start slow. They may mess around a little bit in the first quarter, but the Chiefs in the second quarter, and especially in the second half, are undefeated. I mean, if you just look at what happened with the Steelers, Patrick Mahomes threw an interception, there was a fumble, the Chiefs were down 7-0, and honestly, the first quarter was dominated by Pittsburgh, and it really looked like their defense was just going to pretty much like hold the, the Chiefs at least until the second half. And then after that, they just played lights out. Like, it was a completely different team. Their defense showed up. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of maddening because it's just as as an opposing player, it's just like we did everything right up to this point, and these guys just turned it on like they're a different team. So, look, I would just say when you think the Chiefs are going to be counted out, never count them out. Just never count them out, oh, yeah. as you said. And that game against Houston, they were down twenty four twenty eight nothing, simply in the first and like the first quarter. But they just, but they just like they just do it. They're just magical. So I would probably I would probably just say just be scared if you're ever if you're playing with, with the deficits against the Chiefs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You never want to give that up. Uh you know, especially with a coach like Andy Reid, you're gonna get a lot of uh he's gonna take advantage of uh your misplays and that's exactly what happened. Uh I believe Bill O'Brien called a uh, fake punt that game against the uh yep. the Texans. Or, or against the yeah, in his own territory against the Chiefs and you know Andy Reid capitalized off of that, and they went and scored, uh, and they tied it up at half, and then they, it really wasn't competitive for the rest of the game. That um, I'd like to go back to your first point because I had a very similar third point. Patriots need another year or two. I don't think this team is particularly. I don't. I wouldn't say as as high as I am on the Bills. This is going to be a very competitive, uh, very competitive rivalry between the two. Um, they need another year or two. And while you suggested wide receivers, yes, I think that is an option they need to target. But imagine if Bill Belichick makes a great move for like an above average running back. They didn't have a running back who averaged above 3.4 yards in the Bills game. And albeit the Bills are a slightly above average rush defense, they still need someone to do better in a cold weather game like that. I believe they could trade for some, they could, they could trade for players on a, team that is looking to rebuild or a team that is looking to move on for instance my boy Aaron Jones may be on the option for Bill Belichick because you know the emergence of AJ Dillon has brought up some questions and he may get shipped off the season in a trade I think if Bill Belichick tries to go for a, like a running back that is you know maybe a bit overpaid maybe the team doesn't want him just has some flaws in general but you know has a great upside I think that can really progress into moving the Bills to the next level uh or not uh, progress in moving the Patriots to the next level and I think I think that can really kickstart them. This was an entry year for the Patriots. Let's not overreact to this loss, although this is a pretty bad loss. Uh, Patriots can still come back for more. They got a good young core, and they got a good defense. I trust them. They just need a running game and, you know, another option, a wide receiver. Give them one to two years. They'll be back. I'd like to see them possibly trade for somebody like Saquon Barkley. Now, hear me out. As a Giants fan, I would hate to see Saquon go like that. I like that pick. But that's a good idea. I think that with his state of the state of his career right now, with injuries and everything going on, I'd like to see him in a more stable organization and with a better offensive line for really him to show the rest of the league that he really isn't a washed player. Because I really hear that way too much about him, but I really think he's still so talented. And to see him, you know, forming when it matters most, like I know he can, 
I think he could be doing good. And I also would like to like look at maybe somebody like Chris Carson, who's had also a similar yeah. injury history, but you might be able to lowball him from the Seahawks. Maybe able to go for like a Tony Pollard from the Cowboys. He's probably the best running back two in the league. I think so too, yeah. There's a lot of directions they can go with that, and I can see them becoming dangerous that way. Yeah, I I think you can also just get running backs really late in the draft. Like, they're starting running backs. Like, Ramadre Stevenson was running the ball sometimes that game. You know, uh, Damian, Damian Harris, stuff like that. Like, these guys weren't first, second round picks. Like, these guys are lower end like fourth fifth sixth round picks i really think that if they add one more weapon to their backfield and then maybe spend a late round pick or simply just like a free agent a free agent pickup on like a lower end running back and they just have a large amount of guys in their backfield that they can rely on i mean i think they'll just be dangerous and it'll add another element to their run game yeah 100 percent agree with that i'm looking forward to uh this next topic Next topic's going to be interesting. Yeah, would you so like to announce it? I would. We usually don't. We usually like to avoid things like this. Alex and I like to discuss. We like to think of things more methodically, and you know, kind of see each other's points. But this is something that we've both been thinking about for a little while now, and this is a little bit more of a hot take. But we're just going to express our thoughts on the Cardinals, and specifically, we're going to talk about Cliff Kingsbury and his his position as a head coach for the Cardinals, and we're going to talk about a little bit about. Kyler Murray and his performance. So first, I want to talk about how Cliff Kingsbury was simply just outcoached and outcoached very obviously in that game versus the Rams. The Cardinals offense looked unprepared, unconfident, overwhelmed, and they just didn't look like the same offense we had seen as I as I kind of predicted. And and when when I was saying one offensive unit that we should look at is the Cardinals. How would they react without DeAndre Hopkins in a playoff game? He is. one of their, I think that the besides besides maybe maybe James Connor, like their most veteran player on their offense, and if he would have been there, maybe we would have seen a different different like side of this team and maybe a different toughness. But without him there, and without you know really good preparation as we could have expected from Cliff Kingsbury, there was just nothing there, and they were over nine on third downs the yeah. entire game. It's just it was just like pitiful to see. This is this is the anti Dolphins in the sense that they had one of the best starts you can ever ask for they started 7-0 and they had a tough game against Green Bay they had a really good drive going and then you know I find it kind of funny because this this whole this whole downfall started as soon as their former practice squad player Rasul Douglas picked them off to seal the game and you know I believe they only won like four games after that they lost uh by 18 points to the Lions so they really haven't been the same since uh, since that disappointing loss in uh, their home stadium by Green Bay, who was also missing their three starting wide receivers due to injuries and COVID, stuff like that. Um, but really, they just haven't been able to come back. They haven't been able to restructure as a squad. You know, they had their flashes like that Cowboys game. That's the reason, you know, I picked them. I thought, you know, everybody's going to sleep on them. And uh, I think they could put up a real performance against a team like the you know, like they did against the Cowboys. They could put up a real performance against the Rams. They went one-on-one with them this year. And they threw up a stinker. Now, I think this season for Cliff Kingsbury, this entitles a playoffs or cutoff thing. Even if he has another bad loss in the playoffs, I still think he gets cut off. He has to show improvement this season. They got to do get something going in free agency. They got to get some real – uh, this is on Cliff Kingsbury, and this is the year where all eyes are on him. 
we have we have heard doubts you know uh i believe he got fired from texas tech uh when he was the yep. when he was the coach and you know who was his quarterback at texas tech patrick mahomes almost you know he he had a losing record at texas tech and he had people like patrick mahomes so he has had this you know he has been disappointing and people have questioned him before it he could get fired for this now do i think he'll get fired after the season no i believe he's going to have another season and i think it's going to i think it's going to look like if kyler isn't progressing and kyler doesn't play like he at least like semi what he played like in the first 7 games of the season or in the first 6 games of the season i don't i don't i don't see them uh, i don't see them keeping him because this is a guy who had a stinker season with Rosen. You know, maybe this is all just Kyler. You know, we really got to see him do something significant with Kyler, move this offense, and he'll get D-Hop back. He'll get J.J. Watt back next season. He will get a lot of good pieces. He'll probably get something going in free agency. This offense is going to look a lot better. This defense is going to look a lot sharper, and he's got to do something with that. And if he can't, he's gone. Yeah, I really think that even during the season, even like before the season began, everybody's saying like this is a make or break year for Cliff Kingsbury. And I don't know if you would argue that this season was a general success because obviously I'm talking from recency bias because they did start the season, as you said, really well. But yeah, would you consider collapsing towards the end of the season and then losing in the playoffs embarrassingly to your rivals like a successful season? Yeah. No, you wouldn't. And especially with especially with the talent that you have on that roster. And I just really am confused by like what's going on with like his play calling and how he's kind of utilizing Kyler Murray because I thought that he utilized his way, his legs way more earlier in the year and yeah. then they also pounded the ball with James Conner a little bit more he had 18 touchdowns and a lot of those came came from them running the ball and you know kind of running a, ba- a balanced offense setting up RPO game setting up yeah. read option game stuff like that and they didn't use guys like Zach Ertz in the play-action game or anything like that. And I feel like those are their best players to target, knowing that D-Hop was out. And they could have leaned on these guys who were ready. Like, James Conner was playing with hurt ribs, and he was ready to give it all out for his team. And he was out there playing hard. I think you got to go through those guys, and you have to use those type, and you have to use those players. Because, honestly, their defense was keeping them in it in that game. And I'm just a bit disappointed and honestly confused with what's going on with Cliff Kingsbury. So... As you said, I, I give him one more year to see if he can do, you know, hit a reset on the season, see if he can come up with some different things. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals collapse. And I think there's one man to blame. Yeah, I think uh, coaching would be for sure questioned. And it's, uh, it's sad given that what we thought the Cardinals would do earlier in the season. I don't think you could leave them out their top three given, you know, what they played uh, in the first six games of the season. They were just so convincing in it too. They did good on offense, good on defense. And all of a sudden, I don't, I, I haven't seen their team culture be as good. You know, you had people like JJ Watt, maybe we're just better. Do you remember that when they were like six and zero and stuff, you know, you haven't really heard the, some happy voices from the Cardinals. They've just all seemed sad. It's like, they don't want to play for Cliff Kingsbury. And that's just an idea that may not be the truth. Maybe they do want to play for Cliff Kingsbury, but I believe they're at least questioning him after this season as are most football fans. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that, but yeah. On with, on with our next topic. I basically just wanted to look at an analysis of one game and this works out pretty well because if you look at most of the scores, there was really, one to two games on each side that were somewhat competitive at some point in time, but then they're at least 
one uh, one on the AFC and one on the NFC, just straight blowouts. On the uh, the NFC, there was um, there was uh, what is it called? There was the Rams game, which was just really embarrassing. And then uh, similar for the Patriots, that was just an embarrassing game on the AFC. But I'm going to be breaking down an AFC game that I think was the best game of the weekend, and that was the Bengals versus the Raiders. So I predicted the Raiders to win this game. I was kind of going with some Derek Carr magic, hoping to see if the Bengals can be caught off guard with some of their playoff inexperience. But if anything, the Bengals really controlled this game, and the scoreboard really doesn't say the story of this game because in the first half, the Bengals scored on all four of their drives. Uh, sorry, yeah. So they scored uh, a touchdown, then a field goal, then I think a touchdown, then another field goal. So they're really controlling this game. And I know people are going to talk about that t- that throw um, that Joe Burrow so had. They, yeah, yeah, the, the, one, with the, the, the game, one with the whistle. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I think people need to stop worrying about that whistle. I don't really feel like it affected the play that much and really just focused on the fact that Joe Burrow rolled out of the pocket, avoided pressure. And that was, that, that was a that. beautiful play. I was, was watching that. Yeah. I thought I thought he was out of bounds at first, you know, so uh-huh. those clueless refs, but uh, he barely stayed in by a few inches, and I believe it was a back shoulder throw, and it was just a dot. Just yeah. not really else. <laughs> you can't really say a lot. It was, a, it was just a dot, a good find in the end zone. You know, yeah. one of the most Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow plays ever. It's just a great mm-hmm. play by Joe Burrow. Yeah, and then following that in the second half, the Raiders just kind of stuck with it. It was really, it was really interesting to see because, honestly, it felt like the Bengals maybe could have ran up the score a little bit and maybe scored another time, but somehow the Raiders just kind of stuck in the game, just like they always kind of seem to do. Yeah. And then, as it always does, the Raiders had the ball to end the game with. So Derek Carr had Derek Carr had the ball, and it was in a less than two minute two minute drill, and it was. It was really, really convincing just for a second there. I really thought the yeah. Raiders might do it, and they might tie this game up. So the Raiders were driving down the field. They had a big play, a uh, big connection to Derek, uh, Darren Waller down the middle, a big catch by Hunter Renfro. And honestly, just to see it go down like that, it sucked for the Raiders. But eventually what happened is Derek Carr threw an interception in the red zone to Jermaine Pratt. And that was game over. And the Bengals had won their first playoff game in 31 years. And honestly, it was super funny to see all the jokes after that with all the stuff like, <laughs> it's the first time anybody sent a message about a Bengals playoff win because text messages <laughs> weren't a thing back in, uh, back with the 1991. Yeah. 1991. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, good for, good for the Bengals, man. Both these franchises have been through a lot as of in recent years, so... It was good to see. It was good to see the Bengals win, though. And yeah. if anything, I'm just happy to see Joe Burrow get get to go to the next round and compete again. It took about double our lifetimes for them to get a, a playoff playoff dub. <laughs> that's that's pretty tough. Yeah, I'm gonna keep this one brief because we both did talk about this game for a bit. But I'm gonna talk about Patriots Bills from the Patriots' point of view. Now, I just I just want to talk about how miserable this Patriots defense matchup was to the Bills offense. The Bills didn't get a field goal or punt. I believe they had a turn they had like a, a turnover on downs when they didn't convert on fourth down in like the eighth minute of like the fourth quarter, which is garbage time at that point really. So this was a perfect game for the Bills offense against a very strong Patriots defense. JC Jackson having one of the most inter- like I think the second most interceptions in the league. Played very well. Uh, 
bit more efficient than the guy who had the first most interceptions this league. Patriots had some real hard hitters in that secondary. Their 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 front was looking decent, and you know I think most people would call that a top top eight defense. They they looked really good going into this game, and they just threw up a stinker to Josh Allen. And yes, Josh Allen was really hot before that. Josh Allen is the real deal. He's comparable to a lot of these top tier quarterbacks, but it's just to see to see them not shut them down until eight minutes into the fourth quarter when the game is completely over is disappointing. Uh, you could, you saw streaks in the offense where you know you thought there was going to be some great plays. For instance, that Micah Hyde one, uh, that interception, the interceptions that Mac Jones threw to Micah Hyde. They had they had some they had a good streak. I believe they had a good throw to uh, to uh, uh, Henry Hunter Hunter Henry's uh, over the fucking center. You know they had a they had a good they had a good uh, drive going. But, man, let's also focus on the Patriots' offense. They could not get the run going. The pass was a bit inconsistent. And the offense was basically reliant on how many big plays can Mac Jones make. And if you put a rookie quarterback in that situation, he's not going to perform nearly as well as uh, Josh Allen did, who is probably a top-five quarterback in this league and on one of the best hot streaks right now. This was just a miserable game by the Patriots and a perfect example of why momentum matters in an NFL game. Yeah, I I was honestly just really blown away by this game because I really thought I was waiting for the I was waiting for the Patriots defense to make a play. To be honest, I really thought that there was just going to be a time where they were either going to sack the quarterback, they were going to break up a pass, make a big tackle, and it was honestly just really weird to see Bill Belichick on the sideline. Like Bill Belichick plays this guy twice a year. Like I was kind of surprised there wasn't a bigger game plan. Or maybe just the Bills were just came out to play. I don't really know. It's just a head scratcher of a game for it to be so one sided when you really thought this is gonna be uh this is gonna be a big game and it was gonna be really close, but props to the Bills. Yeah. Okay. I believe uh that moves us on to our fourth topic, which is the game predictions. Now, as it goes this year, Miles has the AFC, I have the NFC. Uh I'm gonna say the first game. And the first game is going to be uh, a game I'm very nervous about and a game I do care a lot about. Packers 49ers. Whew. I got a lot to say about this one. So I'm going to point out a quick stat. Aaron Rodgers is 0-3 versus the 49ers in the playoffs. You know, that is not a good stat. But, hey, this time they're – I believe they one, only one of those games was played in Lambeau, and that was the 2013 one. Uh, and – you know, let's look over those quick those games quickly. First one, Colin Kaepernick running all over the Packers defense. He had a 50-yard run that game. Crazy. Second one, Colin Kaepernick running all over the Packers defense. Third one, uh, everything going wrong for the Packers. This one's in Lambeau. Uh, I'd, I'd like to point out Jimmy G hasn't thrown a pass in zero-degree weather, and it's going to be it's going to be. Uh, uh, single digit, so it's going to be way, way, way below Fahrenheit. It's going to be in the negatives, so that's going to be looking really, really good for uh, the Packers. I believe they're going to have a good home game, and I believe they take this by four. I got Packers twenty-seven, twenty-three against the Forty ers I think if the Packers stop Debo, it's not close. But I think Debo is going to be the offense for the Forty ers and he's going to carry them in a lot of situations like this. I don't see Jimmy G being that big of a weapon. And I think uh, what this game is ultimately relying on is how much can the 49ers defense 
get turnovers. If they get more than if they get multiple turnovers, I think they win this game. I think they can capitalize off of this. This is still a great defense. They were just banged up a bit a few years ago. And you know, they may return into, you know, Super Bowl form and when they made the Super Bowl and unfortunately they didn't uh win that Super Bowl, but you know, they put up a good performance for uh most of the game. And that defense was scary for a bit. Um but let's also bring the fact in that the Packers are getting a lot of injuries back. They are the healthiest team in the in the playoffs right now, and they have Zadarius coming back, who was a, a Pro Bowler uh, the season ago, Bakhtiari, who was an All Pro a season ago, Jair, who was a Pro Bowler a season ago. Debatably, he debatably had the best season last year. Most people would put him in the top three region. Cobb, who was a great threat. He was really good in that game versus Arizona. And MVS is going to be 100%. He had some back issues. But this is looking really good for the Packers in returns. You know, Packers made a lot of great uh, midseason adjustments, as we talked about with Rasul Douglas earlier, at those defensive players. I think this defense is going to look pretty good. Um, we're going to get Devondre Campbell back, who sat out versus the Lions. And I think uh, Devondre Campbell will be able to stop Debo in a lot of those plays. He's one of the best linebackers in the league. I, th- I believe PFF graded first or second linebacker, but uh, he's going to do really good uh, this game. And I got the Packers in a close one. 49ers got a lot going for them with their, with Debo and the defense, but I got Packers winning by four at home. I do like that. I think it's an interesting stat about Jimmy G that you brought up because I don't know. It'd be interesting to see him in a big game because if you remember what happened to him um, in the Super Bowl, I mean, he threw that. He threw a late uh, fourth quarter interception in a game yeah. where really the 49ers could have put it away. So just small mistakes like that can really cost the game. And the Packers are a team that will punish mistakes. And yeah, and also in the in the NFC Championship last year, he only threw eight times. Yeah, they just ran all over that game. Yeah, and honestly, the Packers defense is so much just so much better now. I remember you really talking about after that game, the Packers need to improve their defense. And oh yeah, we, we got linebackers. Know, we both know that they have now, like uh, with all the stats that you've taught, brought up, and with Devondre Campbell, and obviously with Rasul Douglas in the secondary. So, to be honest, unless Debo and Kittle really carry this offense, unless they really put on a show, I'm not sure if I see this game going the 49ers way. Yeah. All right. So, my first game that I want to talk about is. The number one seeded Titans versus the number four seeded Bengals. Now, the Titans with the betting odds are favored by 3.5. The over-under is at 47.5. And just for some predictions off the bat, I believe that uh, it's going to be over 47.5. And I'm going to say that I think Ryan Tannehill is going to have a stinker of a game. I think that here. Without Derrick Henry in the playoffs, if Derrick Henry could not carry a big workload, I'm not sure if Ryan Tannehill can fit the bill. I don't think he can go blow for blow with Joe Burrow. And honestly, I don't know if they have the offensive firepower outside of A.J. Brown to compete with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, C.J. Ozama. So I think it'll really come down to the arm of Ryan Tannehill and... If if I were the, if I were the Titans, I would be nervous. If I would really be waiting on Derrick Henry's like status to come back, and as of right now, we honestly don't know. Mike Vrabel said that he's going to be practicing in contact, and we'll see how it goes. Derrick Henry has really yet to disclose how he feels yet. So honestly, unless he comes back and he says right about now on Friday, right like literally right the second he starts saying, "Yeah, I feel good. I feel good to play." 
I would still be nervous because they're really going to need him to take significant carries and take a significant load off of the um, off of Ryan Tannehill's back. So we'll see. The Titans have a good defense. They're the number one seed for a reason, but just with the fact that they might play a little bit rusty because the fact that they are coming off their bye, um, I don't know. I could see this going the Bengals' way. I'm going to predict that the Bengals are going to win uh, 31-27. Although that might be a little bit high, I do think that this this game, as the the betting odds predicted, is going to be a one possession game. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if I see the Bengals pull away a little bit. Yeah, uh, I like that pick. Well, with all, I, I find this game kind of funny in the sense that you know, Bengals beating the Chiefs is what gave the Titans the number one seed. So you know, it's because of the Bengals that the Titans are in this position. Titans were in a position where they really needed a loss. Bengals gave the Chiefs a tough game, and you know this is how it's looking right now. I believe it would be, I believe it's going to be a really close game. Yeah, I don't think, I don't see this being more than a one possession game. Uh, I got it the other way around, but I perfectly understand both ways. I think Ryan Tannehill, as good as he has done against uh, uh, without the workload of Derrick Henry this year, better than most people would say. Uh, I I think this Bengals team is a different monster, and I think it's going to be a really tough game for him. Now the question is, can the Titans hold it all together? Because they do have, you know, a really talented roster. Well, we have yet to see. It's the first game tomorrow, so looking forward to that one. But yeah, I like that pick. I like that game. Okay. Now for my next game, I have another game I'm very passionate to talk about because it involves a team I do not like. This is Rams and Buccaneers. Now, first off, I'm going to get straight to the point. Rams are the Biggest chance of being the Buccaneers kryptonite. If you watch the Buccaneers, you know how fast and hard that defense is. I believe it's Bowles who's their defensive coordinator. He has drawn up such a good scheme that can just make people feel just like uncomfortable. It is one of the most uncomfortable defenses to play. And when you have such a speedy receiver core and just the offense that can get it out at any pace, they can play long game with you. They can play long balls. They can play short balls. They can play rushing. This offense can do a lot of things. I can see the offense getting most of their wins against the defense. And I can, and I also bet on the Rams defense given how injured and how like, like unpred, like there's some nobody's playing in this game respectively for for the Buccaneers, but you know, either lacking a B uh, I believe they got most of their O-line injured. This is, you know, a bunch of, you're just going to get a bunch of randoms on this O-line. And I, I look at that pass rushing by the Rams. That is a scary pass rush. That is a scary secondary. That's a scary linebacker crew. I believe they can win this game on both aspects. I have the Rams 34-23 in a nine-point game. Uh, they are in Tampa. That is a bit scary, but... If there is a team that is built to beat the, the Buccaneers, it is the Rams. I agree with that. And I think with their running game, as we saw, they relied on so heavily. I think they'll be able to go back to that. But I think it's going to rely more on Matt Stafford's arm now. And it's going to be an interesting quarterback matchup between Matt Stafford and Tom Brady. Yeah. And I also think that uh, just another another injury that you forgot to you forgot to pick out is the fact that Chris Godwin's also out. So AB yeah. Chris Godwin. So it's up to Mike Evans. Where's Markowski. two? I think like their O lineman, the left tackle. I, worse. I, I think they got a whole new O. It's it's a bunch of ones on the O line. I can't yeah. even who's injured, but it's a it's a new squad practically. Everybody's going down for that uh, for that team, and it's uh-huh. not looking good uh, man wise. Then again, they did have a 
not the best roster against the Packers in the NFC Championship, and that brought them to the Super Bowl. Uh, and they also didn't have the best roster against the Chiefs, and the, that, that game wasn't really close. But this Rams team, I believe, is built for them. It's going to be a good game. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to your pick for this one because this could. This is the most. This is this next game that you're about to talk about. I believe it, it. This could be a top three divisional round game I've ever seen. This could be on par with like mm-hmm. 2013 Ravens Broncos, and that's the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. that's the yeah. Mile I'll play with that guy. The guy reaches up really high. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Jaco- yeah. Jacoby Jones, I believe yeah. that's the that's the wide receiver. That's a receiver that caught that. Yeah. And also, this could be as good as you know the 2016 Packers Cowboys. We know toe tap Jared Cook. I was mm-hmm. crazy. And then Mason Crosby and his prime yeah. in that field goal. Yeah. Prime Mason yeah. Crosby was different. Yeah. I think this could be a. I think this could be a really good game, and I want to hear you talk about it. <laughs> All right, so as I said before, I'm going to talk a little bit about the betting odds, and I just want to set the scene. So number three seeded Bills are going to be taking on the number two Chiefs, and the over-under is currently at 53.5 points, and I'm just going to start off by saying it's going over than that. That's going to be 70. (laughs) Yeah, the the Chiefs are favored by 1.5. I'm not going to talk about how I feel about that yet, but... As I talked about before, as one of my takeaways, the Chiefs' offense is not going to be stagnant for all of the first half. They might start a little bit slow in the first quarter. Don't be discouraged. They might they might be a little bit little bit slow. They might have a turnover, but second quarter Chiefs are nothing to mess with. And oh, yeah. this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm not sure if I trust Josh Allen to put together two masterful masterful performances in a row compared to Patrick Mahomes doing it. I'll be surprised. I'll be interested to see how he handles a, a defense that likes to blitz, blitz, blitz. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see. I know I know you're looking at me really weird, but you're nodding your head and shaking your head at the same I time. See, I want to see what you say about this game. Um I, I agree with something you're saying, but mm-hmm. it's it's making me think about what you're gonna say. And I'm curious I'm curious on that uh that score and uh, yeah. how it's gonna play out. So I am what I'm actually really interested about is who on the Chiefs defense is going to be covering Tyreek Hill. Tredavious White is injured. And yeah. somebody's gonna have to be covering uh somebody's gonna be have to be covering um Travis Kelsey, and that's most likely going to fall under the role of Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer. So that most likely means that we're either gonna leave Travis Kelsey on a in a on a matchup with a linebacker or we're leaving Tyreek Hill and you know single coverage, which is not going to be fun. That's and honestly, I'm predicting a pretty big game out of somebody like Miko Hardman or maybe Jarek McKinnon, who are role players, but you know, they might step up just based off the fact that, you know, everybody's going to, you know, with the same dilemma we see with the Chiefs all the time, somebody's going to be given extra attention to, and then it just leads to one-on-one matchups or somebody else. But at the same time, um, I would like to. I would like to see if the if the Bills can run the ball a little bit more effectively on the Chiefs because, really, what I felt like they were lacking in a lot of their games this year, especially in the early half, is a run game, and they were able to do that against the Patriots quite well. And then the Patriots, or the Patriots defense was kind of left guessing, and it really helped their pass game a lot. So, yeah. if the Bills can run the ball, the Bills can keep the Bills will keep this game close, and I could see them winning this game. But I have Chiefs winning thirty eight. To thirty-five. Understand why I understand 
the thought process behind it. And one thing, I, I like the pick because I like the fact that it's over 70 points. If you think any of these teams are scoring under 30 points going into this, I don't know if, you, if you're a psychic or if uh, you're insane. Quite frankly, that's, the, that's, that's a, a scary, two scary offenses. Debatably the two best offenses in the NFL. I wouldn't go that far. I'd say they're two above average offenses in the playoffs. Although there is a lot of offensive hit of heavy hitters this playoffs, but I, I got I got uh, I got the reverse also. I got the reverse for both your games, two close ones. Um, I got a question. Uh, do you think the Chiefs defense can threaten Josh Allen? I can I can see people on the on the Bills defense putting up some great games against uh, Patrick Mahomes, but I don't see a lot of people on the Chiefs defense who can thread in Josh Allen. And, you know, that's why I got uh, – I probably have – you know, if I were to pick this game, I would say maybe lean momentum side on uh, Josh Allen. His momentum. Someone says this game, if you know uh, what he did outside the AFC Championship. But I'm looking forward to this one a lot. This is going to be one of my favorite divisional rounds, and uh, I'll certainly be watching. Okay, those were our game. Yeah, well, one, one, one more thing. I, I would just say I'll make sure to add on the but this is a this is going to be a rematch of what happened. This is the best divisional matchup on paper I think I've ever seen. This is such a great game, and I'm looking forward to it a whole lot. Now, uh, speaking on the Bills, for my defensive player shout-out, we talked about his interception earlier. I'm going with Micah Hyde. He put up a great game covering wide receivers. I like him more double-teaming wide receivers than I do tight ends. I'm going to keep it simple since we've talked about the Bills, like how we used to talk about the Bengals. But <laughs> Micah Hyde put up a great game, and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to him doing that again. I think he will do it again. And you know, he led one of the, he led, he led the biggest statement early on in the game. I think that was the statement that uh, that led to a bill. It led to a Bills touchdown. It robbed the Patriots of a good look, a good pass by Mac, just a great athletic play by Mike Hyde, you know, got to shout out the former Packer, but <laughs> you know, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to him doing it again. And I just want to shout out his performance uh, against the Patriots. So again, like I just have to go back to that play. Cause it really, really looked like Mac Jones threw a perfect ball, a perfect ball. And it was placed right in the outstreet, outstretched hands of his receiver. just right out here, but he got robbed. He got robbed. My God is a bad, bad man. I'd be interested to see how he matches up versus Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And yeah, he might be covering Travis Kelsey for some of that game. So that's an interesting matchup to see. Um, but my defensive player, I think you're going to like my defensive player. So I want to talk about Vaughn Miller. Vaughn Miller is, might be in the last year of his prime, but he's making a really, really big impact on the Rams defense. And he's becoming a leader, I really feel like. And I think he's a good player to have on your team around playoff time, especially when you're in the divisional champion, sorry, the divisional round right now. He's the type of guy that knows how to perform big time in the playoff and also win a Super Bowl. He was Super Bowl MVP in the 2015 season, and, and his performance, and specifically in that play, in those playoffs, were amazing. So, 
as we recall, two games, just so this doesn't go into a full breakdown of that entire you know playoff run. But uh, the Denver Broncos matched up with the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship that year, and Bob Miller had an interception, a sack, and a forced fumble in that game. And then in the Super Bowl, he had two forced fumbles, two sacks, and I think one fumble recovery on Cam Newton. And those plays really, really, really shut down that Panthers offense that was so electric that year. And it really shut down MVP Cam Newton. So, Bob Miller is not the same player, you know, as we're seeing now compared to then. But he is no slouch. He had a sack, uh, six and six tackles versus the Cardinals, which is very respectable. And I just think it's really, really important to have a player like him on your team right about now who knows exactly what it feels like to win that Super Bowl and can really push your defense to that level. And I also just want to give an honorable mention to Max Crosby, although he is no longer in the playoffs. Um, He really put up a great performance against the Bengals, and I really felt like he kept the Raiders in that game. He had this one play where he just rushed the interior, and he just got into the backfield so fast and caused caused a sack and caused just honestly just disruption the entire afternoon versus the Bengals, although the Bengals' offense was efficient. I don't think there was a play he didn't pressure. I was watching him that game. It was just pure disruption. He's one of the most disruptful players. I was always, he was always so close to picking him too. Just love that performance by, uh, yeah. by Crosby that game. Man, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe Max Crosby because his motor is just insane. And honestly, I don't know how he does it. Cause his stamina is crazy. Cause he just plays all the time, man. He's and, got heart. Yeah. It's, it's impressive. I, I really like to see, I really like to just, just just to see him pass rush and to see all like the intricate intricacies of his moves because he has a spin move that he goes to but then he has a swim move that he also yeah. goes to and then he can also just bull straight just straight bull rush you so pick your poison I yeah I, I i think it's just interesting to see okay we're getting into rivalries now and uh we also did talk <laughs> i've talked about this team so much but i got josh allen and patrick mahomes and i think this is one of the first times I don't think this is a popular opinion, but Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes is a real conversation right now. It's, it's, it's a legitimate conversation. There's a case to be made for Josh Allen, although 90% of people would say Patrick Mahomes, and that's understandable. He's the clear front runner in that conversation. Imagine if Patrick Mahomes puts up a stinker and Josh Allen plays well, which probably won't happen, but just imagine how this game could turn. They were the AFC champions last – they were the AFC, uh, AFC championship last uh, – Last time, and you did see some, you know, big-hearted moments like where Diggs was a uh, uh, Stephon Diggs. He was watching, you know, the Chiefs celebrate making it the Super Bowl, and you know, I believe he's going to have a chip on his shoulder this game, and I believe this is he's going to play into this Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen rivalry, and I think it's I think it's going to be a rivalry to come. These are two super young quarterbacks, like. Super ridiculous how young they are. They both have at least a decade in this league if nothing goes wrong. And I believe they can be the this could be a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type rivalry. This can be the future of the NFL. And this is round two in the playoffs. Looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I really wanted to talk about this or talk about that. Just like, you know, two quarterbacks. Those two quarterbacks, we've been looking for just something like Brady Brady Manning just for so long. We've talked about coaches, we've talked about teams, we've talked about all these different things, but quarterbacks are eventually what the game, you know, who are eventually the people that impact the game the most. Yeah. So, 
it'll be interesting to see. This is just another storyline to add to their, you know, add to their history. And um, hopefully we'll be seeing this for years to come. I'd love to see, I just love to see these guys go back and forth, just like we saw Brady and Manning go back and forth. So my rivalry that I wanted to talk about is something you touched on a little bit earlier, but I just want to go a little bit more in depth on the 49ers versus Packers rivalry. As you, as you talked about, um, Aaron Rodgers is 0-3 versus the 49ers. And in both those games, they were really, really, really dominated by the run. And that was especially last last time they played when Jimmy G, you know, didn't throw the ball very much. And then the other times when Colin Kaepernick literally set a rushing quarterback rush, rec, oh, sorry, set a yep. quarterback yep. rushing record on them. Sorry, I know. I know. I was just a touchy, 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 touchy topic. But um, yeah, I, but I think the the entirety of the defense has been really reshaped and they just have linebackers to rely on now that can stop the run like Devondre Campbell. So it'll be really interesting to see how this, you know, how this goes, because if you actually look at the all-time playoff matchups, they're four and four split between the teams. They have eight meetings and it's split down the middle. So this right here will be big for the entire legacy versus these two historically great franchises. And it'll also be interesting to see the way Kyle Shanahan's legacy Goes after this game because this is a pretty big. I think this, this is, a pretty is big his underling. This is his underling. Mm-hmm. Lafleur came from the Shanahan system in the three and thirteen Washington uh, Redskins yeah. offense. Now the Washington football team, and you know, in a uh, in a few days, I believe two weeks, going to be another team. But you know, this is this is really like it's it's almost like a dethroning uh, game if Lafleur wins this in. I think this is a perfect setup for two teams to be four and four all time in playoff games. Um, I'd also like to bring up the inconsistencies of the Packers rushing defense. This is this is the main thing you need to look at the Packers rushing defense because they've they've let Nick Chubb have ten yards per carry against them, and you know they can also put Dalvin Cook at less than two yards per carry. So you never know the case with them. You never know what they're going to put up. And this game, they need to come up big. I'm looking forward to this being the rivalry, and I think that's a good way to end it off. Yeah, I agree. I'm really, really pumped for this weekend. This might be the best weekend of football we've gotten all season. And, you know, hopefully there aren't as many stinkers as there were in Wild Card Weekend, but I'm looking forward to some good games. Yeah, each of these are above-average divisional games, and uh, especially compared to other years, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we got two games Saturday. I believe we start off with the Bengals Titans at four thirty right, yep. Eastern time, and then we go to the Packers uh, Packers Forty ers at the prime time game. And then yep. uh, I believe is Chiefs Chiefs versus uh, Chiefs Bills. That's the prime time for uh, next week, and then uh, the Brady led Bucks are facing the Stafford led uh, Rams. Uh, Sunday too so these are all crazy games to look forward to and let's just enjoy some football this weekend yeah thank you everybody thank you if you've gotten here and you've listened to the entirety of the podcast we really appreciate it um, you know again we're still just trying to figure everything out but this is just our second episode really being back so yeah. um, it's the fact that you know if you've made it into this entire way just special data to you yeah really appreciate our uh, listeners uh, 
be sure to flame us if we do as bad uh, last week as we, or if yeah. we do as bad this week as we did uh, in our one in three performances last week. But uh, other than that, see you later. See you.